0: I.V.M.
1: Welcome to Paisa Paisa, I'm your host Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter and I'm really thrilled, really excited to cover for the second time, the second real estate investment trust, that's REIT, listed in India, that's the Mindspace Business Parks REIT on this episode. I'm talking with Vinod Rohira, CEO, Mindspace Business Parks REIT and we are going to be talking about what's happening in commercial real estate, the turnaround that's happened, India's economic growth, etc, etc. And of course, for you, what's happening in REITs and how you can benefit from owning REITs. don't go anywhere. We will be right back after this short break. And welcome back, folks. Like I said, I'm thrilled to feature Mindspace Business Parks read. Remember, folks, we spoke with MBC Read back in August 2021. And guess what? They were the first listed. Mindspace is the second listed. Read, And if you want to know more about that, you can go back and listen to that episode. But this episode with Mindspace Business parks we're going to go a little Still, beat deeper, you know. Welcome to Pesa Pesa. Thank you so much, really. Thank you so much for doing this for our listeners. Thank you, Anupam,
0: for getting me on your show. Uh, very happy and excited to be here with you. Hope I can make it useful for you.
1: I'm sure you will for our listeners as well. So, you know, quick introduction to Mindspace Business Parks. Read for our listeners who don't know.
0: So, the Mindspace story actually started more than two decades ago. Right? Uh, at that point in time, if you rewind two decades back, it was 1999 and 2000, 95% of commercial real estate was sold in India. Today, 95 plus percent commercial real estate was leased. So there's a massive paradigm shift in just shorter than two decades uh, that you've seen happen for India. In this short span of two decades, close to 600 million square feet of commercial real estate has been built in India, 300 million square feet of that is institutionalized already. So when we started this journey way back uh, two decades ago uh, with the Rehijab group, which is the sponsor to the REIT, our agenda was to create large created communities of commercial real estate infrastructure and own them and lease them to global multinationals. So that was a dream that started off with Malad Space as the beginning. And we cumulatively built more than 30 odd million square feet. And eventually got ourselves into a reef right in the middle of the pandemic in August of 2020. So that's really the snapshot for you for commercial real estate. Of course, it's been a a beautiful journey and a huge metamorphosis of change for commercial real estate in India.
1: Great. So let's get into some details. You spoke about Mindspace and Malad. I'm from Bombay. I think you're also in Bombay. And anyone who's in Bombay, especially in the western suburbs, knows how big the entire Mindspace Mallard uh, property is. And so many people work there as well. But there's more to Mindspace Business Parks than that, right? So if you can just walk our listeners through what else do you own and any other details, you know, whether it's your distribution, revenues or anything that you think is relevant for our listeners.
0: Sure. So Mindspace, uh, the reason uh, Mindspace Business Parks Mallard is what I mentioned was the origination of our idea of creating large gated communities. Today, Mindspace is in four primary cities in India out of the six primary markets for commercial real estate, 80 to 90% of commercial real estate is absorbed by technology companies. True CBD is really Bombay, a little bit in uh, Delhi and a little bit in uh, maybe Bangalore, that's about it. Otherwise, predominantly it's technology companies. And when I say technology companies, they are global multinationals or they are GCCs or they are service providers for support or the large Indian tech footprint, which is supporting global clients. So that's really where the footprint of commercial real estate is. And we started off with that journey in Malad. We have a mind space across pretty much every of these cities uh, and the variants to mind space in the form of commerce zone, et cetera, as different dated community concepts, cumulatively having 200 odd thousand people walk in and out of our parks as employees who we call our customers actually, because they decide the state and the future of our parks. And that's really what mindspace is about. So in the REIT, close to 30 million square feet of cumulative development potential, 25 million square feet built and occupied, uh, which is in Bombay, Pune, Hyderabad, and Chimney. So that's broadly where we are from a Mindspace REIT point of view. And of course, there are lots of ROFO assets and under construction assets within the larger sponsor group, which create an opportunity for the REIT to acquire at a value of nature, as and when they keep getting completed, we have a choice to infuse them in the REIT at the right values. So that's the growth pipeline. And tremendous opportunity we see in the marketplace as a quality player of asset management of these kind of quality assets.
1: Let's get into that tremendous opportunity. Now, to set the stage, you know, I want you to talk to our listeners about how this past has been. You guys have been in this business for a very long time, but the pandemic happened. A lot of things have changed. You guys listed in August 2020. If I look at just the commercial real estate space, right? mentioned the tremendous opportunity. So, before we get into the outlook part, can we just have, you know, just set the stage as to what's happened so far? Sure. So, if I remind you back again to Malad,
0: which you mentioned, everyone knows today, but uh, unfortunately, at that point in time, if I ask someone I'm making a suburban business district in Malad, come and take a look at it, they would sh- kind of shy away and say, this guy's lost it. What is he talking about? If I took someone from South Bombay to see Malad, he would carry a picnic basket because he didn't know where he was going. From there on, uh, with more than uh, 60,000 people working in that micro market from 2000 to 2005. I didn't have to sell Malad anymore. So having said that, that's how the journey for India has been. India has always lacked in infrastructure. So whenever you build gated communities, you're catering to global multinationals. You're building an oasis of infrastructure because you're catering to that level of client awareness for product. Then you have questions around sustainability, green buildings, environmental Uh, Impact on what you're constructing, sensitivity around health and safety protocols. So you've always been ahead of the curve because the customer tells you what he wants. And if you're able to listen to him carefully, you have a winner of a product. And that's how you be bent on building because we wanted to always own and never sell. So the minute you want to do that, you're not building a building for a brochure to be exited out of. You're building sustainable assets. And that's really the story of Mindspace of this entire journey of constructing across. We were quite clear that eventually we want to create a vehicle that gets listed, and we were always envisaging a REIT portfolio in India. The legislation for REITs took five years to build because uh, real estate is a bad word in India, and you're guilty till proven innocent. So, government rightly and the legislation rightly was working very carefully around. Rules and regulations to tighten a collar around REIT as an instrument, and phenomenal learning is available from developed markets, especially America and Singapore, and all the other markets which have been trading in REITs for a long time. So the U.S. has 1.6 or trillion dollars worth of REIT listed. 60 percent of organized commercial real estate in America is REIT So you have all spectrums there, whether it's a hospital or a school or a jail or a student housing or residential or commercial or logistics. They are all REITs. So when you're coming from there, REIT was the only correct way for a mature market to emerge. And rightly so with SEBI's guidelines. Finally, you saw the first read of NBC uh, more than two years ago. And that's really what opened the gates for organized commercial real estate to start getting played in India. Being an Indian, everyone wants to buy either gold or real estate. And as you get into high net worth individual category, you want to own commercial real estate. But people realized that there were drawbacks around uh, managing assets, managing customer expectations. You may have a 5,000 square foot small office in a building and you may be a great landlord, but if the corridor outside of you is not clean, the neighbor next to you doesn't have an appropriate occupier. And if the municipal taxes of the building are not paid, or the security is not right, or the electricity doesn't work sometimes, or the elevator stops in the middle of nowhere, you lose the client. And that's the kind of play that started to realize the value of REITs for organized asset management play in India. Of course, we are in very, very early days and it's an educative process that we embarked upon by doing a REIT. Uh, but we are fortunate that the legislature is so strong that it is safeguarding the interest of your investors very, very carefully, which is a great start to have because in a REIT, unlike a listed commercial, a real estate portfolio, I can't fool around with cash flows. I have to distribute more than 90% minimum of my free cash flows every quarter. I can't speculate in land buy. I have to only make development assets. All of these things and a lot of other legislative controls ensure that you are razor-focused on delivering returns to your investor quarter-on-quarter. And if you have the right intrinsic value of assets, you will see growth and you will see value appreciation of your REIT as India emerges forward. And fortunately or unfortunately, we are the cheapest real estate in the world with organized play of less than a dollar a square foot on your rental With AAA tenants occupying grade A buildings, you know where the rent can move up with land prices going up and micro markets changing and infrastructure around you changing, the GDP changing with the jobs getting created. It's all a multiplier impact. So if you're in it for the long term, you will gain in a growing
1: economy like it. Sure. Can we get into what's happened after March 2020? Once the pandemic started, and everybody thought that that's it—that's the end of commercial real estate—and people will only work from home, you will not need—you will not need offices—and you know there were long articles written at that point of time about the future of offices. I don't know. So, what's been happening on the ground in reality, in your view?
0: So it's like this. Uh, of course, uh, we were in the thick of fog. Nobody knew whether where we land, whether we land on a tarmac or not. But if you deep dive a little bit and kind of calmly analyze globally and otherwise for India, what plays out is what is exactly the footprint of commercial real estate, which I mentioned to you technology companies. What are these technology companies doing? They're supporting the backbone for entire services for the globe, literally for all the companies that have engaged with technology related services for India. If you rewind 10 years ago with the financial crisis, everyone thought that the world was coming to an end. And in 2008, we remember saying what the hell is going to happen to India. But we had the best years thereafter in 2009, 10 and going forward, 11, 12, 13, because every single international global footprint company wanted to save cost. And they wanted to come to India for technology support because they could hire a resource at one tenth the price of what they would get in America. And they would be able to hire 10 to 1 in terms of human capital available with the intellectual training and capital. In that 10-year period, SECs were born. And you saw more than close to 17, 18 lakh people getting jobs in SECs. SECs changed the game because today you have 40% of those footprints as GCCs and GICs in India, which means that they have put their global contact centers in India. And now it's no longer just about cost arbitrage. It was about capturing talent, nurturing talent and building talent. So you fast forward now, come back to March 2020. The average age of workforce in India is 27, unlike Europe and America, which is 41 and 45, etc. We are all living to work in large urban agglomerations because the aspirational millennial wants to travel and leave his tier two and tier three city as a bachelor to find a life, enjoy himself, access the social infrastructure, make friends, make money, grow in his career, And that's why he's running and migrating to all of these cities for tech jobs. Now, when he's coming to a city, he doesn't have the infrastructure he had in his home, in whichever tier two or tier three city he lived in. He's hiring a chamari, sharing a paying guest accommodation with a friend who got him the job. So they are sharing a bedroom, sharing electricity, sharing uh, the bandwidth, sharing the housekeeping, etc. Because they really don't care. They are pampered at the workspace. They are picked up in the morning. They have the best coffee to drink on the desk. Fair fantastic air conditioning, great breakfast, free lunch on the table, great friendships, great networking, bars and social infrastructure around you. And they just go home to sleep. That too, they are dropped home. So look at that scenario. And then you ask them to work in that cramped space where there's one bandwidth of coming through one satellite provider, not necessarily through optic fiber. If you leave Bombay, you don't even have optic fiber in any other city. How the hell are you going to manage work? You're sitting on your computer. Nobody's going to serve you the coffee. Nobody's doing your housekeeping. You've got to wash your own clothes. You've got to get your own food. you got to get your bandwidth. Somebody's watching Netflix in the house and you're having to take a call. You've got to keep your video on. You don't have an environment where you can have a nice landscape behind of you. So there are multiple challenges. Leave aside that. There's a huge data management risk that clients carry because data management protocols cannot be handled in the four walls of your home. I can take pictures on my mobile and send off all of the data as private data information to anyone I want. In fact, there are nightmares that uh, clients have faced where each employee has taken two and three jobs and he's working on three desktops on the same table in the house. How do you control data privacy? So when you go into a quiet boardroom and ask your customer, he says, I want to be back on the desk because I have challenges around data security. But if you fast forward and see, India has been able to deliver in the 18 months with absolute resilience and given the services that no other country could imagine that India would deliver. And which is why you have seen in the last six months, the volume of growth of employment and the revenue spike in all technology companies Mm -hmm. will tell you a different story. Now you're looking at in the last quarter alone, we've seen doubling up of physical occupancy inside the office. Of course, we were a mere 7% physical occupancy till 30th of September. Today, we are 14%. Leave aside technology, which is far more conservative because of their global mandates. Rest of domestic India is 80% on the desk. If you ask my office team and us in office from mid of July, are 100% full strength in our offices. So now the realization is coming. If you want to collaborate, you want to grow, you want to network, you want to hire someone. You can't hire someone over a video call and then expect him to imbibe the culture that you so carefully imbibe when you are at the workplace. And then how do you collaborate? If I need to get five people to come into a meeting, I have to make sure all five can block the calendar. And then in that one hour, I can speak 10 minutes and someone else is speaking five minutes. How do I collaborate? Something that could take me 15 minutes is taking me 45 minutes. So all of those things have dawned realization, obviously. And now that you're mostly significantly vaccinated at the workforce, and if you feel safe going to the bar and the restaurant and the mall and the cinema hall, And to travel and to take holidays, I can assure you, offices are as or even more safer than any of those locations. So, all we had to do is get the health and safety protocols organized at our workplace. And slowly, you're seeing senior management return back in the tech space. And that's driving the rest of the teams to come in. If we don't have major disruptions in the next few quarters, you will see significant numbers on the desk. I wouldn't be surprised between 25 and 40% getting back on the desk in the couple of quarters following us.
1: Very interesting. Let's go into the outlook now for the future for Indian commercial real estate right? because everyone is like really excited about the economic growth opportunities that are out there. Of course, um, it's a very different kind of recovery this time. Some people are doing really well. Some people are not doing really well. It has been a very, very rough two years for a lot of us. But in general, what is your outlook for the commercial real estate sector in India going from here?
0: So for the last 16-odd months on every investor call, I spent half of that call justifying work from home versus work from office. Right. So there was this entire cloud around, no, uh, I want to believe you, but I can't believe you. I think everyone's going to be working from home. The dynamics are going to change. While nobody said that, everybody thought, I believe offices will shut down, nobody will come back to the workplace. I think that's predominantly behind us. Right. We've had two phenomenal quarters and we're seeing very strong Tailwinds of demand and growth looking forward at us. Uh, What has happened, what has changed, is primarily the perception that we are significantly vaccinated. We are seeing the numbers significantly down. I'm not saying we're out of uh, the woods right now. But having said that, it's giving a lot of comfort to most of the urban workforce. And that's driving them to come back to offices. All of the other attributes are now becoming dominant in discussions that if we have to grow and we have to hire, we have to be predominantly in the office. While you may provide some flexi office timings, you may provide uh, certain days of the week to work from home, and all of those hybrid mechanisms will continue to exist for the next 12 to 18 months Still, we are completely out of the pandemic's visibility. So we will be seeing those kind of emergencies of dynamic workspaces, etc. But the story continues to get stronger and stronger that offices are here to stay and we want to be back in the office. That's clearly uh, now visible and every quarter will strengthen that position in the minds of people who may still have a certain amount of ambiguity. around that. But we are pretty much seeing that. I think we have come out of mucky waters. We are on to hard road. Very soon, we'll be on the highway. Another couple of quarters, I think.
1: Good to hear that. And I hope that that is exactly... What plays out folks, we are recording on 30th no- November. And by the time this episode airs, might be a month down, down the line. And let's just hope that this new variant is not such a problem for all of us. And on that note of hope, positivity and optimism, let's just take a small break. We'll be right back. And welcome back to this episode of Pesa Vesa, my guest Vinod Roeda, CEO, Mindspace Business, Park's Read. Let's now talk about reads. how they work. I mean we've covered this in the past but i just want to revisit this my understanding was that REITs get rent from their tenants and that is passed on to me the unit holder right but i've the more i've read about this the more i've seen that there are different types of payouts that come from the REIT to me as a unit holder right there's not just the rent there's something called interest there's dividend there's repayment of loans a lot of stuff and i'm bringing this up because from a taxation perspective some of these are taxed differently right so for example I think interest is, prob- uh, there is TDS that's cut, whereas on others, it's not cut. So if you can just go into some amount of detail as to A, the different types of payouts that come from the REIT to the unit holder, and B, what is the tax treatment of these in my hands? So
0: prima facie REITs would make sense in India only if the dividend income was declared taxable. Mind you, that that legislation took very long, and which is why we waited for our REITs to actually get done. Till that legislation didn't come, it didn't make sense because this is a pass-through instrument where the growth is determined by three things. One is the yield that we distribute to you, which is the the NOI in the NDCF. That is followed with the growth you get in the escalation of rentals, the growth you get with additional construction and portfolio that you add organically and inorganically. And every nine years when the rental renewals happen, you get a pop in the market rent. Because of the established micro market that you have been developing and building in. So that's the cumulative play out. Now, when I'm distributing dividends in India, beyond of 10 lakhs, it was taxable as marginal rate of tax in the hands of the earner of the dividend. REITs exempt you from that. So you may earn any amount of dividend from a REIT in the form of dividend is completely tax-free. The way we play it out and there are REITs doing repayments, loan repayments, etc. We've kept it simple. 90 plus percent of our distribution is pure dividend which is 100% tax exempt the residual between 7 8 9 10% in the nature of interest so when i pay you interest there is a 10% deduction of tds from our side if you're a resident and 5% if you're a non resident however you pay tax at the marginal rate of income tax that you are paying for that interest income so effectively if i paid you 100% in the form of Dividend, you would not pay any tax. I'm paying you 90% plus in the form of dividend. So 90% is tax free. The 10% that you're getting as interest resumed is at the marginal rate of income That's broadly where it is.
1: Very interesting. Folks, you might want to check that if you are investing in REITs and then there are just three of them out there. What's the form of payment that's coming? Great. You know, capital gain. How are REITs tax in India both on the short-term capital gain side and the long-term capital gain side?
0: So essentially the capital gains are the same for equity instruments. If it's a long-term capital gain, it's 10% on the gains, greater than 1 lakh. And if you're looking at short-term, it's 15% for one year.
1: So it's as simple as that, and there's no indexation out. I mean, if I hold the read for more than a year and I sell it, then that's it. There's 10% yeah, you will more. have that
0: indexation in any
1: case, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about some concepts out here, right? And especially in real estate, I'm someone you know who who believes in this entire recovery in India's economic growth, and I believe that real estate is going to do really well. I've got various forms of buying in into this or investing into this real estate boom that's going to follow, right? I could probably just go and buy a warehouse if I have that much money. I could probably do a fractional ownership. I had a guest on Pesa Vesa Strata, in fact, which does this for investors over a certain investment amount. So there's fractional ownership, there's outright ownership. Then there are real estate stocks, which I can buy, you know, the DLFs of the world, the the gold ridges of the the world. There probably might be some mutual funds also that are geared towards that. So when I look at the landscape of investment opportunities for me as an investor, in your view, how are REITs placed here in this landscape?
0: So it's like this. If you're looking at a mix of stable yield distribution in the form of dividends, et cetera, and the growth combined, then this is the best instrument in the real estate space. If you're buying pure equity for speculative purposes of real estate, then obviously uh, it's like, for example, if you're buying into an uh, equity, which is say residential real estate, residential real estate cannot give you earnings every quarter. They can't even project and their earnings are going to be lumpy. But you're paying for the long-term game to say, okay, I'll get an X multiplier and a Y multiplier, and this is my PE and this and that and the other. So there are different classes of investment. If you globally see, if you take a clue from Singapore or you take a clue from the US, et cetera, most insurance and large investors are looking at REITs because they want the sustainable income model and the element of growth embedded jointly. And it has given them greater return than just keeping it into any fixed instrument. And all of that is made a difference. So REITs, as you mature, you will want some part of your portfolio to be in a stable, sustainable instrument like a REIT. And that's where it's catching up. If you see MBC when they did the read, only global funds applied and took the equity away. By the time we listed right in the heart of the pandemic, and most people told us we probably lost it by going there and doing the REIT. Uh, we were surprised to see between 15 and 16 times over-subscription for the high net worth individual category of retail investors, while we got the top global names to invest even at that point in time. And if you look at the Brookfield REIT, it's a complete mix of domestic mutual funds, etc. So there are very three different baskets of investors. And each time with the time gap, you've got more and more players coming into the REIT market in India. So it's actually still early days and I think it will evolve and as you go on becoming a mature investor, you will keep some percentage of your investments in REITs, especially if you're an insurance company or if, if you're a fund, you're going to want to put your money in a REIT.
1: Very interesting. Um, I want to talk about the yields out here, you know, to just, just to give our listeners an idea about what kind of numbers that we're talking about, right? Because... Like you said, this is for someone who's looking at a stable, almost fixed-income-ish kind of a feel to their um, portfolio, when they're looking for having an asset that doesn't move, doesn't fluctuate the way equity prices do. It gives you a sure. re- reasonably good yield on whatever you've in, invested in. Like I've, I've just got your um, first half investor release that came out. I, I yeah. believe your results were out a couple of weeks ago. So if you can just talk about any trends or any numbers here, um, that could help our listeners understand. What kind of yields are we looking at?
0: Sure. So we did an annualized distribution yield of 6.7%. So when you look at that and you look at somebody who's keeping, say, for example, 10 lakhs in a fixed deposit, and you're earning 5.5%, 4%, and you're paying the marginal rate of tax, could be 30, could be 40, could be 35. You're netting yourself at three, three and a half percent Here you're getting 67 which is 90% tax free paid out to you quarterly. So effectively, the annualized yield is really good. And it gives you the pop-up in terms of growth. So when you come to our Eat, in the worst year, we've collected 99 plus percent of our rents. And we are giving you this yield with an occupancy of about 85%. So the minute the occupancy start going up and more leasing takes place, which we are seeing, it's only upwards from there. But at this point in time, to get a 6.7% yield is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, and most of it is tax-free. I'm just trying to think, you know, because (laughs) equities are yielding, I have no idea how much it probably, I mean, you know, dividend yields on the best of stocks is Know, maybe one percent two percent much much
0: lesser probably
1: yeah much lesser than yeah you're right at at these prices and of course there the payout is more in terms of capital um absolutely if at all whereas Correct. here I'm, lo- I'm looking at an asset you know commercially as real estate from whatever i know on the ground probably goes at i don't know eight nine ten percent and here i'm getting a very clean very transparent structure where i've got what grade a quality real estate assets out here
0: Absolutely. If anything is lower than grade A, you won't even uh, get a graded tenant to occupy and you won't be able to have uh, occupancy and you won't be able to distribute it. Uh, I
1: mean, so for me, I'm looking at this as probably AAA debt, I don't know, and with an even higher transparent structure out here and no no real interest rate risk out here, right? Because I'm saying going going forward, even if you're going to assume that yields stays, stay stable with interest rates where they are and a lot of people think that interest rates are in fact Bottoming out from here. I don't know if they start going up, what the scene might be. So if is that the right way to assess this as an investment? Compare it. So to- there are
0: there are there are two more things you should look at carefully. One is at the bottom of all of this is real estate. What are you buying into eventually? You're buying into the intrinsic value of real estate. You should never forget that, right? So when I look at our portfolio and say my average rent in the portfolio is 58 rupees. Can you replace those assets by buying land and construction, constructing a A building and leasing it at 58 rupees and still being able to take make the return? Probably not. So by default, there's huge embedded intrinsic value in the asset per se. And that's your starting point. So that's your base where you know that, okay, you can't go wrong because the intrinsic value of assets is, is far, far stronger embedded value than the visible rent that we're getting. Secondly, what happens is when you're a REIT player, you have a far bigger advantage than anyone else who's trying to compete with you. Two reasons why. One is because you're financially very, very prudent as you can't take absurd amounts of debt and fool around. Our debt is 15% of our NAV value. So it gives us a massive amount of headroom for doing the right investments for growth. Secondly, because we are AAA, we can borrow as low as 6.5%. A standard real estate player can't even dream to imagine to borrow at those numbers. Leave alone trying to get speculative capital for commercial waste. So two things are going on. You've got access to quality capital at really effective prices. And you are able to buy when nobody else is able to build. So by default, on one side, supply is thinning out dramatically. Speculative play has gone away. Secondly, residential real estate has started to do phenomenally well. So the outliers who had land and said, "Okay, my jail-free card is to build a commercial building and get out of this, has gone back to the drawing board doing residential real estate. So suddenly you have a vacuum of supply that is getting created for 23, 22, 24. And those who bring in quality supply at that point in time with the transaction of demand upwards, you know where it's going to go. I'm not going to stay beyond that. So that's really where you have to see the infliction point. And that's what you're playing for. It's a stable game. It's a sustainable game and it's a long-term game. So if you're a mature investor, you understand intrinsic value and you understand the growth parameters and supply dynamics, you know what you're going for. That's really where the play is, which is why the global funds have already pounced in to buy. And they're continuously going on buying different REITs in India for different reasons. And they are far more mature. They understand what's going on globally.
1: Very interesting. So folks, contact your financial advisor and figure out, you know, where you want to, if if you're interested, that is, um, where you want to get your asset all- allocation done. You know, just, you know, in your view, if I were to ask you, what kind of an investor are REITs ideal for? What would be your answer, theoretically?
0: I think everyone should look at closely what they want as their investment basket.
1: Now, if real estate has to play a
0: role, which should in some form or the other, then instead of doing speculative play of buying a fractional asset or buying into something that if you have access to large capital, you may even buy a fractional asset. But otherwise, if you want liquidity and you want yield and you want grade A asset management and you want to participate in the growth of commercial real estate, it's a no-brainer that you should have some portfolio percentage kept aside for each clearly. And that's what's going to, you'll see that grow more and more with the investor community. Uh,
1: What's the outlook on REITs? I just, I I think there was a mutual fund that's come out. I think it was PGIM, right? That's come out with an international REITs. Uh, I don't know if it's a fund of funds or uh, what the format is, but I, I was like fascinated. I mean, you're getting an opportunity to invest in overseas REITs out here. What's your outlook on REITs going forward in India?
0: So what is most important, if you ask me, is the right quality of assets should get listed in the REIT because otherwise what happens is when everything is doing really well, you may get some lemons come and get listed and that's not a good thing for the market. But having said that, otherwise, most of the the silver lining is most of quality real estate has already got institutionalized and that institutionalized assets will go on getting infused into into REITs. This is only pure commercial play. Then you have retail, you have hospitality, you have many other assets that will come and start playing in the REIT market. And that is a very good thing for India because you will get access to stabilized asset quality with liquidity, which real estate didn't provide you earlier. So I think uh, it's great opportunity.
1: I'm going to sneak in one question because you just mentioned something about residential real estate out there. And come on, you guys belong to the K R I J A group. What's your view on residential real estate? Uh, you know, then we talk about it more from a consumer's perspective. A lot of our listeners out there who who knows maybe they want to buy a house. They've been waiting to buy a house. Um, some of them have either taken the opportunity and got some really good deals. Some people are just waiting on the sidelines. Some people are in the whole trend versus buy, you know, a trade-off. What's your view on residential real estate out here? So I
0: can tell you as an individual, not as a Corp or, uh, or someone who's speaking on behalf of the company uh, on the real estate space. If I'm to look at the market, it's very been very favorable for three reasons. One is... 12 to 18 months, everyone thought there was doom and gloom. They're going to lose capital. They're going to lose money. They're going to lose their job. So everyone put every buck they had into savings. Secondly, the interest rates crashed dramatically. Thirdly, they realized the fact that owning a house was far more critical. Otherwise, with all of these changing dynamics, there were a lot of people that were left on the street and they didn't know what to do. Most of them left their uh, rented accommodations and went back to their entire, entire three cities. All of those guys, including the high net worth individuals, realized that the quality of life needs to change. We need more space. We need to buy a house. The doomsday is over. We have the capital. Nothing's gone wrong. Uh, The stock markets have performed. So different markets got different dynamics to play out. And that's why you saw the pent-up demand surge. The investors have been quite smart. They've gone on for either completed assets or really credible brands where the assets are close to completion. And the early movers got the advantage on price because the volume took up at reasonable prices. And as the volume thinned out, mind you, nobody poured new concrete on under construction speculative supply. So suddenly there's a vacuum, which is why anything and everything that's visible to the eye and is almost complete, the price is spiking because you're going and picking that up. Because it's like a herd mentality and which is why if one guy has bought it and the second guy has bought it, three more guys are running to buy it. New launches are happening only of credible developers. And at the new launch stage, you will get the sale. After that, you may see a bit of a vacuum and then you will see it closer to completion. So it's about whoever is financially prudent. If they can bring in quality assets and complete on time, I think there's a phenomenal opportunity because not too many will do that. Access to capital is relevant. If you have the capital, you have the right site, and you build to the right product, which is sellable. I think the markets are there for sales. So it's a win-win for
1: both. I just, I just, you know, I just love covering real estate because from a conversation perspective, ek to the attention is always towards stocks, kya lagta hai, kya market hai. whereas real estate is one of the most critical investment and even personal decisions that we take in our life. So I'm really thrilled to have you here with us, Vinod, um, to talk about the Mindspace Business parks. Reit, and also thank you for your views, personal views, by the way. Thank on you. residential real estate, maybe who knows? Somewhere in the future, I can have Kehraja on the Resi sure, side absolutely. to be absolutely. part of this podcast. But folks, there you go. That's it. That's a wrap on this episode of Pesabesa My guest, Vinod Rohira, CEO, MindSpace Business Parks, Reed. Vinod, thank you. Really, thank you so much for doing this for us. Thank you very much,
0: Anupam. Thanks for having me over.
1: And listeners, if you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are IBM podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to me, I'm your host Anupam Gupta B50 on Twitter. And thank you so much for listening to Baisa Baisa.